0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Girl Show. The mission of this show is to spread awareness on mindfulness practices, psychology, mental health and spirituality. My job on the show is to invite world-class performers to share their practices to live a fulfilled life. And today's guest is Michelle Sterling. Michelle Sterling is on a mission to improve the human experience of life in our chaotic, hyper-connected, always-on world. Combining our expertise in organizational learning and performance with findings from the latest scientific research, Michelle generates fresh insights on the human experience with one simple goal in mind, help others learn ways to show up more fully in life without sacrificing their uniqueness. As the founder of WIST Activa, Michelle leverages nearly 30 years' worth of experiences in her work, helping individuals, leaders, and organizations get their desired results without adding to the noise. Whether teaching, speaking, or coaching, her contagious enthusiasm helps others rekindle their desire to learn, explore, and create the life they have always wanted to live. And now let the episode begin. Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much.
0: My pleasure. And, you know, looking at your profile, your... More than 30 years of experience. I'm sure we have a lot to discuss in this conversation, ranging from emotional well-being, productivity, fulfillment, well-being, inner peace. We are going to have a wide range of conversation, and I'm sure our listeners will have a fun along this way.
1: 30 years is a long time. You can do a lot of things in 30 years. <laughs> I've gathered a lot of experiences.
0: <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that. So how How would your family describe now what you do for a living?
1: That's an interesting question. So typically when I describe what I do for a living, I would say that I create training programs and create training content that helps people understand themselves so that they can navigate life more comfortably and more as themselves. Typically when I say that people go, Oh, so you're a life coach and and I come at it from a different angle that, you know, I started doing this long before there was such a career as a life coach. But there are a lot of crossover similarities.
0: And you just mentioned that understanding yourself. And this is a very broad topic. If somebody is struggling in their life and they're not sure where they stand, what what process would you recommend to somebody to understand or discover themselves? I know this is a very broad question. If you have some tips to give to our listeners.
1: Well, what, what I have found in my work is, you know, so I work with professionals, so typically people in an office environment, a manufacturing environment, and most of those individuals have spent the majority of their lives in school and then, you know, secondary education focused on gaining technical skills. And then they find themselves in the workplace and they find themselves in their lives and they're just going on that trajectory and something feels off. And so typically, what the way I like to explain it is we aren't ever given a book when we're born of how to be human for dummies, right? There isn't such a thing. And there's nothing in school that prepares us for the human dynamics, for the things that we're going to experience in a work environment and in our relationships. There's no focus on that. And so a lot of times when people are feeling disconnected or unmotivated or confused, Or unfulfilled, it's because of these human aspects that they've never been taught. And so it's really fun to just say, well, let's just break down what's happening and what you're feeling and where it's coming from and why you're feeling that way. And the minute that people can start to understand that there is a science to it, there's an explanation for it, and that it's something that they can read about and learn and understand, it helps them gain the confidence to navigate more comfortably
0: and before that makes sense yeah it does and before we get into the weeds of all this i would like to ask you what motivated you to get into this kind of work to help people understand themselves and discover themselves
1: oh i mean i'm guessing you know i'm not alone but it was because my life was so messed up my mom always says that i walked around my entire life you know trying to fix the planet and my memory of it was looking around and thinking you know we we don't have to live this way there's got to be a better way and so you know i was following the typical trajectory and it just wasn't working for me and so i you know tried to figure out where i had gotten off path and how i could help myself feel more like myself and more connected and feeling like i'm contributing something of value so for me it's been a lot of trial and error Trial and error driven by my own, my own failures.
0: <laughs> yeah. And could you please share any experience from your life or any trajectory when you were feeling lost? You didn't know what to do, where to go. And then you started taking yeah. some actions.
1: Well, you know, I think one of the most interesting events in my life that really impacted the way I look at things and, and approach things is I really went through two culture shifts. When I was in grade school, my family moved from Seattle, Washington, the Pacific Northwest, to Holland, the Netherlands. And I got put in Dutch schools. And I was completely immersed in the Dutch culture for grade school. And I loved it. I was so happy. I just loved everything about being there. I loved the people. I loved the thought process. I loved the way they nourished each other. And then I came back to the United States, and we moved to Louisiana. So I went through a second culture shock. And when we were coming back to the United States, in my head, we were coming back to the Pacific Northwest. And we um, were not in the Pacific Northwest. So we were in the deep south and beyond getting used to humidity. And I, at that point, had a super strong Dutch accent. And so everybody thought I was from Holland. I couldn't understand them. They couldn't understand me. And it was just a different way of life. And I never really fit in there. I had lots of friends. I lived there for 22 years, but I never really felt like, I, I also felt like a fish out of water, if that makes sense. And how old so you at a the lot time? of, I was in Beveridge, Louisiana.
0: And how old were you at the time when you moved from Holland to Louisiana?
1: I was 10 years old. A very formative time in my life. Okay. And so I found a lot of my decisions that I was making were really about fitting in, belonging, being accepted, being worthy. And that kind of became the, you know, my, my battery pack, you know, the thing that kept me going until
0: I moved. Uh, You moved to Louisiana.
1: Until I moved away from Louisiana. Sorry.
0: Could you, could you elaborate more on that? Like feeling worthy, feeling, you know, lost.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, if you just, you know, they're, like I said, it's two, they were two different cultures shift. And so you go from the Pacific Northwest where, you know, we're doing, imagine, you know, you're doing clam bakes and it's on the beach and it's, you know, anytime the sun is out, everybody's outside. It's all pretty happy and healthy. But then you go to a Dutch environment where you don't understand what food they're eating. You can't understand the language. Um, and I um, really embraced that culture as they embraced Americans at the time. And it was, again, a very positive experience strong focus on education, on learning. And it just, I, I thrived there. And then when I came back to the United States and I was in Louisiana, the focus was different. And it wasn't encouraged at the time to be different. If you were seen as someone from outside of the Louisiana area, you were an outsider and it was really tough to get accepted. And so that that's really I think what it was rooted in. Like I was really an outsider. I they didn't even think that I was an American because I had such a strong Dutch accent. I'm just finding out to
0: some extent because I,
1: yeah. I lived in
0: Louisiana I, for six months.
1: Oh did you really? I Very lived in Baton Rouge. Oh, that's mm-hmm. where I was. And you know, I love the Louisiana people and that's one of the things that I think is, you know, really fascinating about human beings like I really do love so many things about the Louisiana school I just knew that I didn't fit and it's just an interesting way to go through life knowing that it's that you're in a place where you really just don't fit
0: and it happens with human beings many times when we feel that we don't fit in that community and we don't belong what can we do in that circumstances to take charge of our life
1: Yeah. So if you're a dependent, (laughs) there's not a whole lot you can do. You know, you're kind of at your parents' command. But, uh, you know, I think one of the things that you can do at any point in your life is dig into a little bit of understanding human emotions. Like, what is causing me to feel like I need to belong? You know, how can I give to myself what I'm looking for from other people. You really can do some of that exploration, but I think the most interesting time where you can start to take control, I I, I hesitate to use the word control, but charge is when you, are no longer a dependent and when you really are taking responsibility for yourself. For me, that was of course in the twenties and I was in the middle of a lot of bad decisions. (laughs) Hmm. So I always say that my guardian angels just got exhausted and took off when I was 24 and said, I'll see you when I'm 30. But you know, I think all of that richness just adds to my experience. But you know, what we know about, Emotional intelligence and what we know about IQ is it's really not fully – your IQ isn't fully formed until you're in your early 20s. And so your decision-making really isn't fully there. And, and so I think that if you look at it from a, you know, like what can you do if you feel like a fish out of water, you know, give yourself a break. And if you feel like you're fish, a fish out of water and you're, and you're in your – if you're in your mid-20s and older where you're really in charge of your life, then you can start looking at, you know, what can I do? What can I do today? What trajectory do I want to put myself on? We put a lot of pressure on ourselves, so and you know, I hate to add to that for people.
0: Yes, and after you came out of Louisiana, uh, do you remember what you did at that point to take charge of your emotional well-being?
1: Yeah, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona in 1997 and that was before everybody had a cell phone that was before everybody had email or texting. And I didn't know anybody in the entire city of Phoenix. I knew, actually, that's not true. I knew one person who was the sales guy at a conference center where I had done a bunch of training programs. And so on the weekends, I was pretty much left to my own devices. And I remember one particular long weekend, I was really looking, I'm an introvert, so, you know, that's not all bad. I was really looking forward to just kind of hanging out with myself. And it was, I think, a 4th of July weekend. at the end of that weekend, when I could start connecting with my friends and people via the telephone again, I was like, wow, you know, that was good to be alone, but I'm kind of over myself. And so that's when I started saying, all right, so I've had this time alone. You know, I know that I'm in the place that I want to be. I would just get in my car and drive around and say, oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful here. Good job, me, for getting me to the right location. Now, what do I want to add back into my life that's going to create that life that I always imagined? And, you know, so it's adding back in the type of friends, what type of activities, You know, what do I want to be doing with my work time? What does that look like? What do I want to be doing in my spare time? And I just slowly pieced it back together.
0: And is it about creating the best days in our life?
1: Well, that's where I am now. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Like, I'm right now even focusing on the best moments. Like, I'm in this thing where I'm focusing on, personally for me, where I'm exploring micro moments. And I was looking at the aspect from emotional intelligence of impulse control where we always think that that's to, like impulse control is to avoid acting out negatively. But I'm reading so much now about what people are doing when they're sheltered at home. And I think that in the micro moments where we, where we make a decision that, yeah, I'm going to binge watch this show again or I'm going to do something that will make me feel valuable. Um, that's where the magic is so yeah I think every day is a reset point and and the magic I'm finding is even down to the moment where you make those decisions
0: speaking of micro moments how can we create the best micro moments in our life or in know in our days so forget life we are talking about the micro moments in our day-to-day <laughs> life so what do you, what, what, do micro you what do you do usually every moment to make the best out of it
1: well the first thing that I do is I start my day and I, I kind of create a theme for myself for the day. It's like what do I want to get out of this day? So we let's just call it's like, you know, anytime they do a movie and it's like take two, you know, it's like that that board has clicked. We have a fresh start. What do I want to get out of today? Like is there an emotion that I haven't experienced in a while that I want to be my theme for the day? Is there a task that would feel really good to get completed today? Is there um, some need that I have, like uh, a need to, you know, get my oil changed in my car and need to experience kindness. So I kind of look at what I have going on that day, and then I layer over an emotion, a task that will give me accomplishment or some need that I want to get fulfilled that day, and I look at it that way. And then what I find is if I have that theme, in those micro moments, I can say, am I on track? And if I'm not, I just stop and just go, oops, <laughs> just oops, I'm not on that trajectory. And I just can that quickly shift gears and put myself back in the right direction.
0: So basically, you map your actions towards the task you want to accomplish and feel fulfilled in that day.
1: Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Absolutely.
0: And so when you do that practice in the morning, do you have it in the mental way of doing it or do you? do this on a paper or on a computer
1: well I don't do it on a computer I'm really not much of a computer person but I know that works for some people I like to write and so I might say okay today I want to experience kindness for example so I might grab a sheet of paper and write down kindness and say you know I'm going to experience kindness today and then I'll think for a minute and say okay you know so you can call it that I'm sitting in presence you can say perhaps I'm doing a writing meditation but I'm really bringing everything of myself to that moment and and trying to connect with my heart my core self my soul self and say what if I'm saying my theme for today is kindness what can I do to really bring that to life and usually I get some ideas and I just write them down um I don't it's not like I write them down and, and then go back and I mean, 90% of the time, I never go back and look at my notes. But, you know, the research on handwriting is that helps us connect to our, our more authentic selves. And then when you're thinking it and writing it, it embeds it in your memory a little better. So I like to write.
0: And do you have this theme, kind of same theme almost every day, or you keep changing? And if you change it, oh, how often I like do you to. change?
1: Yeah, I mix it up. I mix it up every day and because i get bored easily, so i mix it up every day and sometimes if theme isn't working for the day i'll even change it in the day
0: (laughs) so so you can always keep changing if that theme is not working for you in that day i would like to ask you that if if somebody has never created any theme for the day why should they start theming it's fun.
1: I think what I what I really enjoy is that sense that you're writing your own movie script, so to say, right? So there's so many things in our lives that we have no control over. But once you start creating a theme for your day, you can really see how much you, it has a ripple effect on the way that you experience your life. And you're in charge of that. And you know, there's so much stuff out there that it's like, well, you're you can you can't control other people. You can only control your response, and so much of that stuff feels heavy to me, like an extra responsibility. I just think creating a theme for your day is fun. Like it's, it can be whatever you want. And and honestly, I've had days where I've said, you know, my theme today is going to be to be frustrated and I'm just gonna feel this frustration and I'm gonna feel this frustration that I'm feeling to its maximum capacity. And then even when I do that, it has a sense of lightheartedness about it. It's just like it's all okay, let's just do it.
0: Let me ask you this. People try to stay away from frustration and upset feelings. Then why do you set a theme for yourself to feel frustrated?
1: Because I'm going to anyway and the more I try to smush it down the more bottled up it gets and it's going to come out at some point. And I'd rather have it come out. and I'd rather be processing it when I'm doing it on the lower end rather than, you know, have it come out on somebody unintended.
0: <laughs> Are you saying that it's okay to feel frustrated and still be able to achieve our goals and desires?
1: Absolutely. You don't want to get stuck in it. And and I think, you know, there's so many times that we make emotions wrong, right? We put labels on them. And it, that doesn't do us any good. So if if you're feeling frustrated, go ahead and feel the frustration. You know, you can say, you know, why am I feeling this? Is there anything I can do about it? If not, then I'm just going to just feel this frustration to its maximum capacity. You can put a time limit. I'm going to be super frustrated for the next 60 minutes. And I might even write down everything that I'm frustrated about. And then I'm going to let it go. And what you find is once you habitualize that, or you just allow yourself to feel all your emotions without labeling them, it just it flows so much better. You don't get stuck in them.
0: And this is all about self-acceptance and self-compassion.
1: Oh, nicely said. Yes.
0: So you you just mentioned that releasing your frustration through different ways of writing. Is there any other practice you pursue to let go of frustration?
1: Sometimes if I'm feeling it, I will. Re- I really will set a timer. Like I'll just say, I'm going to sit here. I'll even tell my husband, don't bother me for 15 minutes. I'm going to be over here brooding. And I just sit and I just feel it. And, and so when I say feel it, what I'll do is I pay really close attention to my body. Like where does this frustration live? Sometimes it's in my chest. Sometimes it's in my um, lower right arm. Sometimes it can be in my stomach. And I just feel like, where is it? Is it living in my hip? Like, where am I experiencing this? And then I put all of my attention on the space where I'm feeling it. And I might say, I love you, body, for showing me where this is living right now. You know, if I'm in that mood. Or I might say, that's so fascinating that our bodies can hold these emotions in interesting spots. Let me see if I put all my attention on it, if I can dissipate it and help it move on you know so there's always like an attention to an area of the body where it lives and then some story that I'm narrating while I'm paying attention to it so a couple different ways and as I mentioned I could also just sit and just write down all the things that I'm frustrated about you know if it's nighttime I might take it outside and put it in the fireplace and burn it (laughs) so I'm letting it go This is a very
0: powerful practice. I think this is one of the spiritual practices to write down all your feelings on a paper and then burn it down.
1: It feels good, doesn't
0: it? I have never tried that, but some of my guests on this podcast have mentioned this practice, spiritual practice to try this because it has some cosmos connection i'm not sure how that works but people do it
1: yeah well i've found it works. there's you know there are you know if you get into the spirituality cosmos aspect of it there's um, new moon intentions where you're creating new intentions for yourself for the month and then there's full moon intentions where you're releasing things that are no longer working for you and i've really gotten into the practice just because I love the moon and I love the full moon. And if it's a beautiful night, to have an excuse to go sit outside and just let go of things that aren't working for me, again, is a a fun and uplifting experience for me. So at the end of that, I always do, I don't call it a ceremonial, but I always throw those sheets of paper in the fireplace and just watch the smoke take everything away. It's like let it go. It's, it's, it's up and out.
0: <laughs> and people who so want to do this practice, please make sure of your surroundings before you yes. burn down anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm usually <laughs> doing it in a fireplace. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Don't <laughs>
0: burn down your house.
1: <laughs>
0: I no, that would not be good. So speaking of frustration again, do you think our frustration comes from our feelings of overwhelmed?
1: I think they can come from lots of different places. If I think about the things that frustrate me, it is, for me, my theme is usually lack of control. And so that's where I want something to change and it's either not changing fast enough. I get frustrated when people, there's systems in place that don't make any sense to me, but that's the way it is and I'm supposed to just accept it. So for me, it's, it's, it's control. I have control issues
0: <laughs> i think this is this is the need of human beings to control things mm-hmm. then we get emotionally aware and emotionally intelligent of what we want to control and not and in your in your company with activo learning you speak about improving your performance so what kind of performance you talk about to improve
1: When I work with organizations, there's usually, you know, some targets that they're looking at to improve. So I don't look at like, let's create more widgets. I look at how can you reduce turnover, increase employee engagement, increase people's sense of well-being, increase job satisfaction, that type of performance. So on on a larger scale, when I'm working with individuals, my primary goal is that they can go home at the end of the week and feel like they contributed value, made a difference, and used their time well.
0: And what are those practices in that performance improvement plan for the individuals? Because we all want to be alive at the end of the week, the end of the day. We want to feel elevated. We want to feel that we matter in this life. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't happen all the time. So what practices we can cultivate? In our day to day life.
1: Yeah, that's, so like we were talking about, so for me, it's having my daily theme. I think it's super important to look out, look at the layout of your week and what you're going to be experiencing. Like what is already scheduled? What work do you have to get done? What non work is happening? And really look at it and say, okay, how is this week going to flow? And if you have a lot of heavy stuff in there or a lot of brainy stuff in there, what can you insert to lighten things up? What can you insert to give yourself a break? So really, it's starting to look at your week on a experience basis, basis, right? So if I know I'm going to have three really tough conversations on Tuesday, I want to make it a point to get outside and do some exercise or be out in nature Tuesday night. So it's planning for what, you know, like this is going to stress me. What are the things that I like to do to recover and then make sure that I do that? The same thing when you're scheduling meetings. If you have a meeting that you know that you're doing a presentation, you might be stressed about it. Don't schedule something that goes right up until that meeting starts where you walk into that meeting running late, behind schedule, worried, like do like schedule your week out as much as you can so that you can ebb and flow the way that you would naturally ebb and flow. So that's one piece of it. The other piece is bringing, you know, I really like to help people figure out ways that they can bring their unique value to a situation. I think that one of the tragedies of corporate America is that there's this idea of one right way to be a good employee and that whole nine box thing that people do where it can be very subjective, you know, how people feel about the person that they're evaluating. There's this idea of what good looks like. And so people shut themselves down a lot to try and fit in that box. And maybe I'm sensitive to that because that was my experience when I was living in Louisiana, It was a lot of shutting down the things that make me unique. And so I like to help people connect with the things that make them unique and then find simple ways that they can kind of start inserting that into their day-to-day. Exam- yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Well, so for example, if, if they know that one of the things that makes them unique is that they are super creative and they're very creative, but they're working in with a group of accountants, say, who who that's just going to be a, a giant, what is it called, categorized people. But anyway, so let's just say there there's a very creative person working with a non-creative group of accountants. You know, how can that person bring their creativity to their work? And so you look for simple little ways that they can infuse what they're doing anyway with something that feels creative to them.
0: Does that make sense? It does. And speaking of, of finding our unique value and talent in any area of life, it doesn't have to be in the professional life. It, it is very mandatory in our personal life. And most of the time we may drift away from our unique well-being and unique ways of being. How can we cultivate more of that uniqueness in our day-to-day life? Because it takes a lot of effort and work. Do you have some practices for our listeners?
1: Yeah, it does take a lot of effort. Well, the first thing is remembering what it is that makes you unique. And the best way that I've been able to do that for myself and then help others is by noticing the traits that you admire in other people. And just as a rule of thumb, the traits that you recognize and admire in others are traits that are inherent in you so when you get that list together you can look at it and say oh gosh you know I would have never guessed that one of my traits was well I'll just stick with creative you know like I never think of myself as being creative but then when you start talking to someone it's like well what did you do when you were younger and how does that apply with you know, how you were raised, and sure enough, you'll find that there were lots of things that they did when they were younger, painting model airplanes, or dance, or all of those, you know, it's like when we're younger, we're um, more free to explore all those aspects, that full range of ourselves, and then we get in school, and it's all kind of whittled away. So it, it's just reconnecting with that part that you've been missing and saying, Okay, well I didn't know I was this but now knowing that I am this, how can I bring that to my life?
0: In other words, we can say that reconnecting to the things that we used to love or yeah. if we cultivate new new practices or new things that we can love. The yeah. is loving doing things that we love.
1: Yes. And it's not like you can't do that at work. You know, there's this idea that there's a separation between work and life. And I think that idea is slowly starting to shift. I think now even more than it was before. But, you know, I always think bring all of yourself to all of your life. I mean, that's the rich way to live, right?
0: Exactly. And when we go to work, we are not different person. Our body, soul, whatever you call it, we go with that thing to work. We are not leaving our mind and body right. behind at home. So That's right. So bringing the whole unique value, and this is for sure, this is going to get some people pissed off when we bring our unique value. But in that situation, we are more comfortable. But we need to understand this, that having unique value and showing our vulnerability at work or in any situation doesn't mean that we are rude to anybody we are you know letting people down or shutting people off you know we have to be kind enough compassionate to others as well
1: that's very well said yes it's always with the energy of compassion and caring and creating
0: and empathy you know not judging others this is a practice, we can do it every time not to judge others and coming from a place of empathy. Yes.
1: Yeah. You know, can I give you an example Please. of what we're talking about? So I was working with one person who was sent to me because of, interestingly, impulse control. And what they were saying is that person would show up in meetings and take over the meeting and just talk and not let anyone else have a, you know, get a word in edgewise. And so they wanted her to stop that. (laughs) So when we started talking, I, I got her side of the story. And it was just that she got so excited about ideas. And the way that she processed information was she processed everything out loud. Like she just, you know, out loud. Say everything that was going through her mind. And the empathy piece of that was in helping her understand that if she were, was doing that, the people on the receiving end were trying to make sense of what she was saying when she hadn't even made sense of it. And that could be exhausting. And so that then if she still needed to process that way, she could write it down or she could use a hedger and say something like, I'm going to just spitball some ideas out loud right now. I don't expect you guys to to respond to them yet, but stop me if something sounds interesting. But here I go, you know, and just like, go ahead and say it out loud and then stop. And so that's kind of what we're talking about is, you know, her unique value that she brought to those meetings was her enthusiasm and her creativity and her innovation. And the solution that they thought was right was to shut that down. But by helping her have empathy for how other people were experiencing that and then creating this a situation where they could listen without feeling like they needed to act on it, made it all like within two meetings, it was all fine. Nobody had to change. It was just creating a situation where they could all be themselves.
0: This goes back to the communication skills and creating boundaries in one-on-one setting or in a group because we are... We all are different beings, you know, we are different creatures and when we can communicate that this is how I operate and please stop me if I go overboard or please give me constructive feedback so that we can all work together to towards a common purpose and vision because we all have some faults. We, we, nobody's perfect. So having a right way of communicating things. Yeah. Be empathetic.
1: Yes. Yes, and that's the only way that I think that you know we can all, like all move forward in those group settings effectively. And it is empathy, it's compassion, and it's recognizing, like you said, that none of us is perfect.
0: Yes, and uh, I would like to ask you about physical fitness versus emotional fitness slash emotional well-being because a mm-hmm. lot of people give a lot of value to emotional. Not 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 give a lot of value to emotional fitness, but a lot of value to physical fitness. How can we cultivate more of emotional well-being and emotional fitness in our lives?
1: Well, like everything, it takes practice, right? So there's a, a lot of people who use analogies that your emotions are, you know, you can strengthen your emotional well-being in the same way you strengthen your physical well-being. And, you know, it's a, it's a tricky analogy because it's not like, you know, like we have 700, 600, you know, I've lost count of how many emotions we have the capacity to experience and express and it's a lot. And so it can get a little overwhelming if you think about, you know, what it takes to fully experience emotional well-being. I I mean, like I said before, I think it's a day-to-day, sometimes a moment-to-moment experience, you know, with starting with putting a focus on it just like you would your physical health, saying, you know, I want to experience this emotional health as well. And for me, it looks like X, Y, and Z. And here's the steps that I'm going to do to try to make that happen. So my practice is those themes for the day. My practice is not making things wrong. If I'm experiencing, there is no such thing as a bad emotion. It just is. You know. So I think there's things that we can do to help ourselves be more compassionate with ourselves. That's the, that's the entry point for emotional well-being.
0: Is there any other practice that comes to your mind that you suggest to your clients to strengthen emotional well-being? I'm thinking
1: there. there's one thing that's coming to mind and that is, again, it's, it's the opposite side of compassion and that is judging others. And I think that Um, particularly in today's society, there's a lot of that, right? So it gets back to that this way of being is right, this way of being is wrong. And so to me, one of the secrets to emotional well-being is hidden in our judgments. And what I mean by that is if you notice what you judge people for and unwrap it, it's usually something that you're making wrong about yourself. And if you embrace it as there is no wrong, then that can help you heal that aspect and improve your emotional well-being overall.
0: That is very powerful. It requires a lot of self-awareness.
1: Yes, self-awareness is key, isn't it? To to emotional well-being, for sure.
0: Is there any other book or books that you can recommend to our listeners to strengthen emotional well-being?
1: Well, I read a lot. So I think that if you read any book that is a business book, that is a biography, an autobiography, that is a self-help help book, if you look at it and you're seeking out tips for emotional well-being, you will find them. You know they are everywhere. It's just like you know when we're talking about my life story, there are you know nuggets of of my finding emotional well-being. Or not emotional well being to start in my, in my story. And so I think it's, I mean, to me, emotions are the, the soundtrack of our life. You know, we have all these facts, which are the things that we have done, but it's the emotions that create the soundtrack and the, the way that we experience it. So I think that you'll, you'll find it in everything. You know, I like books, like one of my books that I always recommend is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. It's a one, it was one of the first, I think, business self-help books out there, or leadership books that was out there. And I've read it at multiple times in my life, um, and every time I read it, I, it resonates with me differently, depending on where I am in my life, what I'm working on, what I'm working to address. I think that one is just chock or block full with ideas. And then I also like really anything that Dan Pink writes. So my favorite one um, of his is a book called A Whole New Mind. And it's, I don't know what edition it's in now. The first time he wrote it, it was called Bright Brainers, Why Bright Brainers Will Rule the World or something like that. You might be familiar with that title. But I, I like his because there's practical application in it. He's got lots of ideas in there on how to exercise different aspects of yourself so that you can bring them to your life. So those yeah. are two of my favorites.
0: Yeah, thank you for your suggestions. And emotion is nothing but energy in motion. And we can take yes. charge of our emotions. I I feel this and I think about it all the time that emotional fitness and emotional well-being is the number one thing in life. It can If we have emotional capacity, we can work towards physical fitness, not the other way around. It's all about emotions, you know, heart attack and breakups, all those communication problems. It all arises from not having the capacity to go deeper into our emotions and understand others' emotions as well.
1: Right, right. It's where you sit there and go, what is happening? <laughs> I don't understand what is happening right now. And and that's what I think is just so interesting, is they're so important to the way that we all experience our lives, yet we get so little training in how to understand and navigate them. So Navigating is change challenging. That.
0: <laughs> it, it's a challenge every single day, every single moment. That's where my question comes next is how to close the gap we all have that gap we are at a point in our life and we all want to go to another point let's say point b from point a to point b and there is this always gap and we create that gap on our own so how should we bridge that gap if that gap is not serving us
1: well, I mean, you know, you can go to the traditional methods of goal setting. You know, uh, Stephen Covey has the saying, begin with the end in mind. That's one of his seven habits. There's a lot of stuff in there that, about planning and moving towards it. Is it
0: visualization? What's that? Is it visualization?
1: Well, that's not what he talks about. But, but yeah, do you use visualization? I recommend visualization all Sometimes. the time. yeah. I recommend it all the time for specific events, like if someone has a proposal that they're delivering or they're, you know, there's some event that's going to be happening, as opposed to vision boards. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think, you know, how are we going to know where we're going if we don't have a picture of where we want to go? You know, that's just kind of lollygagging through life. And so I think it is super important to to try and figure out what you want your life to look like but for me it's all about the experience right it's like what do I want to experience in life so that I'm doing you know people have what they call uh, what is it called their bucket their bucket list list. yeah and so there's things that they want to experience before they die and and you know why wait I mean if you look at the root of all those experiences so for example if one of my experiences is you know I want to go to Italy and and visit Italy and, and see all of the stuff that makes Italy Italy. I want to eat their food, quite frankly. So if, if I want to go there, then that what is the experience about for me? Well, the experience is I want to hear a different language. I want to see the architecture. I want to taste the food. You know, there's ways that you can embed those experiences in your life and have parallel experience without actually physically going to Italy. And I think it's super important to look at those things that we think, oh, I want to have these experiences in my life and start creating many versions of them along the way.
0: And it's all about experiences. We all want to feel those experiences and that's where we set all those goals. Because when yes. we achieve those goals, we feel that yes. feeling. And that's when having, having those practices to think the end, it's, it's about having those feelings now itself before we achieve that thing.
1: Yes, yes, and then you create room for more. So if you know, I I know when I um first moved to Arizona, I had a tiny tiny yard and I would just imagine um having a space where flowers could grow and you know the bougainvillea, uh, the pink flower just goes beautifully here. And so I had this, you know, wanting to be surrounded by local native flowers and so I just started planting them in my tiny little yard and it was beautiful and I'd go sit out there and have the experience which is the same experience as you would have if you have a large plot of land with the flowers on them so you know there's there's ways that you can create experiences for yourself it, it, it's again it's about being in those micro moments where you go oh look I've created this I have this let me sit and just fully soak up this experience in this moment right now and appreciate that this is here for me now.
0: And what's your opinion on creating experiences and having more in life, coming from a place of abundance versus from a place of lack?
1: Yeah, no, I will... um confess that that's a tricky one for me because I have a tendency to focus on what's left to be done, um what isn't working, what do I need to fix? And so that's something that I honestly I have to constantly remind myself to shift gears on. And you know, it's so easy to say that it's not about what you have, you know, it's about what you do with what you have. It's a whole different thing to be completely frustrated that you need a new Washing machine and the one that you want is more than you have budget for. (laughs) So, so I will confess that that is absolutely one that I struggle with. But again, nature is a huge um, course correction for me. Like if I can, if I find myself in that scarcity mindset or in that I don't have enough mindset, all I do is get out and walk around. You know, I'll go somewhere that I think is I don't know, it's the, like, we have canals in the Phoenix area, I'll go walk on one of the canals and look for birds, I will go to the Desert Botanical Garden and look at their latest art installation, so for me, to shift gears, it's all about appreciating what others have done that is already out there, that, you know, whether it's the Hopi Indians who came before me and came up with the idea of the canal, or whether it's artists who are creating... I just really have to shift gears. And then when I look around, I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so many options, and there's so many people creating, and there's so much stuff to look at. I'm just a tiny drop, and of course I have enough. Of course I have enough, and yeah. of course I am enough.
0: And we are never going to get enough. There is so much so much noise in the world that, you know, it, it again goes back to the spiritual side that, you know, we are enough. And we can still have more. But if we think that we have everything what we want, it's okay to seek for more. But if we have to be feeling abundant before we seek for more. Otherwise, we are constantly moving towards something from a place of scarcity mindset. And that does not serve well. And we constantly criticize ourselves in that mode. And we always beat ourselves. I have been there. It happens Uh on and off, you know, and that's when our self-awareness comes into play and then we release and then we, you know, go for nature walks and take a pause, sacred pause, Uh slow down in life to really think about where we are heading. There is a saying, I don't remember who said that, that if we find ourselves or if you find yourself in a crowd, it's time to take a pause. I think I'm paraphrasing for sure. If you find yourself in a crowd it's time to take a part because you're unique unique. maybe you get to create and craft your unique path we all have that unique path and every path connects to the same eternity in terms of the spiritual side
1: yeah but isn't that exciting
0: it is and since we were talking about writing down creating our moments creating our life and i these days i would i would confess this week i've been spending two to three hours just journaling, writing down, you know, thinking big picture where I'm heading and when I do that it creates a lot of overwhelm feeling. You know, we have so many things on five to six pages that you have written down. Now you have to plan. You have to take action. It yeah. looks good on paper, but when you take action, when you strategize those action items, then the rubber meets the ground. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's always that one first step. It's like what's one thing I can do today? What's that one next step? And that's how I keep myself going. And sometimes I look back and I go, oh, my gosh, it's been six weeks. And I haven't done much, but I've done <laughs> yeah. one step every day. So. And in
0: that in that action step, do you ever judge yourself?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, so the goal is to just keep moving forward, right? So if you say, you know, the one thing I'm going to do today is, you know, look at this one website. Like I make a commitment to myself. And I think that's the key. Make a commitment to myself to pursue this, you know, goal or this dream or this vision or whatever it may be, this task, this thing I want to create, this experience I want to create. So what's one thing that I can do? Like I can't get the whole thing done, but what's one thing I can do? And I make that commitment to myself. And then when I meet it, you know, I have a little congratulations myself moment. <laughs> which Lord. I don't think we do enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's like, hey me! I did what I said I was going to do for myself. I keep those commitments to myself.
0: And speaking and, of you know, one thing, there is a book called The One Thing. When you feel overwhelmed, you just ask yourself, keep asking yourself, what is the one thing I can do right now that will give me the most satisfaction?
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, perfect.
0: So I do this practice a lot and lot these days, asking myself this question, what is the one thing I can do right now? I know I have five things To do, but I cannot complete all those five things. What is that one thing? If I do it right now, that will give me the most satisfaction today, so that I can can sleep. Yeah, nice, nice. And asking asking another question that I borrowed from Tim Ferriss: That what would it look like if this thing is easier? Because getting to the path of tough is always there. We can always pick that path where things are tough. What would it look like if this is stupid simple? Yeah, asking nice. asking this question all the time. Okay, okay, you are because we human beings want to be complex. We feel that if any solution is not complex, it means it is not worth of doing it. We
1: love grappling, <laughs> don't we? Yeah, and
0: before, I know we are. I'm digressing, but last thing I would like to add on this is: if I, I I ask myself if I need something from some busy person and they don't have time to read your email, how can I craft my email? so that I get a response, you know, changing some terms here and there, you know, how thinking along those lines, if you ask yourself better questions, you will come up with yeah. some better answers and experimenting yeah. with life, you always stuck in that goal setting mode that there is only one, but there are so many things you can experiment with that. If one is not trying things, you know, we never know. Experimenting. Yeah.
1: With- oh, that's so flexible. So that's mental agility. <laughs> it
0: requires a lot of effort and personally for 2020 my word for 2020 is experiment and this podcast came out of the experimentation my goal was before i quit i'll do five
1: and how many of you done now
0: so by may i should be close to 50
1: very good see Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> just one at a time
0: one at a time it's, it's going to be a challenge you know so moving towards your goals I'm not going to be easy. It's going to be damn challenging. It's it's going to be so super stressful. And that's when your emotional agility, your emotional well-being, how you cultivate inner peace, how you, all those things come.
1: Yeah, so I have my theme for this year and I have three sentences, incomplete sentences. So don't grammar check them. But written out on an index card that I have um, in front of my computer. And these three are make life simpler, end the inner struggle, live more thoughtfully.
0: Well, that is amazing. If we are so human a, beings yeah, and so have some theme in our lives, our life will be amazing, fruitful, and fulfilled.
1: Yes, yes. And so it's all that stuff that you're talking about is moving towards those goals, not struggling with them, finding a simpler way, living more thoughtfully and looking at options and, and really just for me, that's my recipe for enjoying the experience
0: and, and this is for me actually and those self-comparison always comes you know you we compare our speaking for myself that comparison always comes with somebody who's already achieving at the highest level and when i take a pause and see their life they have struggled mm-hmm. they have they have been patient at the process nobody gets it in one day or two days it's a process it's a struggle we are going to have a lot of failures and not judging yourself for anything in life you we are doing anything at this moment based on our knowledge whatever we know we are doing it based on that so why should we judge ourselves for the goals and the things we are not achieving and if we have that patience to Put in the hard work for five to ten years, then the miracle will happen.
1: Yeah, and, yeah. you know, that sometimes the course changes along the way. Like, you think you have an idea of what direction you're going. I laugh sometimes because I'll start creating something and people will say, oh, I can't wait to see it when it's done. And I say, me too, because <laughs> it changes direction. You know, all of a sudden something else comes up or you have a different idea that you want to integrate into it. You know, just having that excitement towards how is this going to evolve and, what else is in store can really um infuse it with that expansive energy that you need there was I wish I could remember who oh, it was Elizabeth Gilbert, her book on mm-hmm. magic, and she was talking in there about how much energy it takes to get something manifest in physical form, and I could really relate to that it does It takes an absolute giant amount of energy to get an idea out there in physical form. And just reading that book, um, really helped me have more compassion for that whole idea of the struggle and what it takes to bring something out. And, and then it allowed me to embrace it and enjoy the experience rather than fight against the experience.
0: Well, dear listeners, if you're listening to this, Michelle has more than 30 years of experience in this industry. So what she is saying is worth listening, worth practicing.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Well, Michelle, before we end this conversation, I would like to ask you, that uh, where can our listeners find you online
1: um, my personal space is now back to I have a consulting blog which is our consulting site which is the com. the bizactiva, I just want to say as a quick note is a latin word for inner drive and momentum which I think really gets at the root of what we're talking about is activating that inner drive and momentum for ourselves. So that's where my consulting practice is. But the nowbacktome.com has my blog, my courses for individuals. And, of course, I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm on Twitter, at Good and I'm on Instagram, at nowbackto.me.
0: I will put all those links in the show notes. Perfect. Well, thank you, Michelle. It's been a fun conversation. With
1: you. I enjoyed it too. It's always good to talk about these things because it gets me refocused and remotivated.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, the Nishan Girl Show, on Apple Podcast. You can also subscribe to the show through my website, https: colon slash slash nishantgarg.me N I S H A N T G A R dot me you can also share this podcast with your family and friends or whoever want to feel fulfilled and thank you so much again